for the next four Sundays. I know Gary very well. When he was going with his wife Kim as her boyfriend, she brought him to Roman Road Hall, and he heard me preach the gospel, and he got saved. So I have a very lovely link with uh, Gary, and it's amazing how God can help someone bring their girlfriend or their boyfriend, and they end up getting saved. And, uh, you know, God has a wonderful way of bringing people together for a particular moment in a particular circumstance that we could never have planned. God's planning in that kind of way. One of the greatest preachers in this country from years ago was a man called Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he once preached from this little part of the Bible that I'm going to preach on called Onesimus and the runaway slave. The story is told in Philemon, and I'm going to read that in a few moments. And uh, Spurgeon tells the story that um, after three years after he had preached this message, an aged minister came to him and produced a letter that he had received from his son who had run away years ago, previous, and he was going to run away to America. And he arrived in London to board a ship to go to America. But he decided not to go on the particular ship that was scheduled to go at that moment. And somehow he found himself in Spurgeon's Tabernacle, um, which was a big church in London. And when he was there, Spurgeon preached on this passage, The Runaway Slave. And it resonated with a young man that was running away from home and from his family. And that night, he got saved. Then he went to America, and then he wrote a letter back to his father to say, this is what happened in my life. This is how God in a sovereign way, ordered my circumstances. And could I have your forgiveness? And Spurgeon read that letter years after it happened. The father, the aged minister, who gave his son forgiveness, even though he'd run away, was able to share with Spurgeon just how God had worked. And those of us who are preachers, we have no idea at times how God is working in people's lives And people turned up for a service, and I would have no knowledge of their background or who they are or what's happening in their life, but God has been at work. And that's what happened in this story that I want to read. So if you can find it in your Bible, it's not easy to find, it's a little book called Philemon. It's before Hebrews, and it's after Titus. And if you have difficulty finding it, then the secret is go to the index of the Bible, and you'll see at the index the page number that this book is recorded. And so you turn up the page. If you can find the book of Hebrews, which has got 13 chapters, um, then it's just before Hebrews. And um, it's a little lovely personal letter that this preacher or missionary called Paul wrote to his friend Philemon. We'll read most of it because we've got time. 
This letter is from Paul in prison for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. It is written to Philemon, our much-loved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to Archippus, a fellow soldier of the cross. I'm also writing to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing of your trust in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. You are generous because of your faith, and I'm praying that you will really put your generosity to work. For in so doing, you will come to my understanding of all good things we can do for Christ. I myself have gained much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because your kindness has so often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. Verse 9. But because of our love, I prefer just to ask you, So take this as a request from your friend Paul, an old man, now in prison for the sake of Christ Jesus. My plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past. Now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I really want to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I didn't want you to help because you were forced to do it, but because you wanted to. Perhaps you could think of it this way. Onesimus ran away for a little while, so you could have him back forever. He's no longer just a slave, He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a slave and as a brother to the Lord. If you consider me your partner, give him the same welcome you would give me if I were coming. If he has harmed you in any way or stolen anything from you, charge me for it. I, Paul, write this with my own handwriting. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, dear brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Please keep a guest room ready for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is a beautiful little letter um, between two friends. Philemon was a special friend to the Apostle Paul, I think because he was converted under his preaching, possibly in Ephesus, um, but now Philemon is in a city called Colossae, and in his home, in that day, it was different from present day in our thinking. Slaves was an occupation. Slave in a big household was quite an honor and a responsibility. Thomas was a slave in the household of Philemon. But for whatever reason, he chose to run away. 
to go from Colossae to 2,000 kilometers and so he had many countries to go through and um, it's a, an amazing fact that Rome at that time was a, a metropolis it was a huge city with people from all around different parts of the world living in Rome and, um, and somehow under the purposes and the sovereignty of God Onesimus came in contact with Paul who was in prison he must have had, we're not told how he got in contact, but it's amazing how God brings people together under his sovereign purpose. And um, as I told you the story of Spurgeon and the boy that ran away to America. So I want to say a little um, to you about three things today. I want to talk a little about God's sovereignty in people's circumstances. Each one of us, as we reflect on our life and where we are and where we're going, it's an amazing fact that God engineers and organizes circumstances that he wants us to come through. And he can overrule. Sometimes we think some of the circumstances of life are difficult. And, uh, and that is true. Uh, when I was 30 years of age, I was diagnosed with TB. Got the shock of my life. Thought it was cancer. Doctor said, well, we're hoping it's not cancer. We're hoping it's tuberculosis. You have TB in both lungs. You'll be moved to a little hospital and you could be there for many months. In fact, it turned out I was only there for three months. But it was an ordeal. I wasn't allowed to see my own little children. And Kathy had to travel from the village where we lived in Forth to Burnbank. 22 miles every day by bus. And these were difficult circumstances. But looking back, it was such a blessing. It enabled me to get to know God in a much deeper way than I would ever have known. And I learned lessons from that experience that um, we wouldn't have learned without it. God can allow circumstances in our life, difficult though they may be, to learn so I want to say something about God's sovereignty in people's circumstances. Then I want to say something about Paul's sensitivity to people. This is a beautiful letter of Paul, who was the big apostle with power and authority. He doesn't uh, overrule or um, dictate to Philemon. He is very polite. He is very respectful, and he's sensitive about asking a favor from Philemon to take Onesimus back. So we'll learn lessons on how to be much more sensitive. That's a lesson I'm needing to learn. Sometimes as a preacher, you say things and uh, people get upset. And uh, you need to learn just to be sensitive to people. Then I just want to mention not only God's sovereignty and Paul's sensitivity, I want to say something about Onesimus' salvation. The wonderful part to this story is that this slave finds salvation through the Apostle Paul. So that's what I want to try and go as quickly as I can. God's sovereignty. What do I mean by that? I just mean that God is overall and overruling in our life circumstances. After running so many marathons, <laughs> I had Onesimus down as one of my marathon runners in the Bible. He arrives in Rome. 
Colossae, he has run Greece, Italy, and um, traveled all these miles to get to Europe. And you know, it's an amazing reality today that thousands of people are attempting to come from Afghanistan, from Nigeria, from uh, Iraq, and from the Middle East to get to Europe. They're traveling, uh, taking the life in, in their hands, traveling by flimsy boats to cross the channel. And as we said this morning, some are trying to come uh, in the back of a container lorry. And they're attempting to cross. Look at this and think, this is terrible. Do you know there's another view? All these people from these difficult countries would have no opportunity to the gospel in the country where they But as they traveled through to Europe, Germany, and the UK, God has given them the opportunity to hear the gospel that they would never have heard in their own country. And so... Um, I have discovered in my little life that you meet people that you never plan to meet. But I've been in Lusaka and Kabwe and, and Zambia, and on the way back, uh, I travel from Lusaka, the capital, up into Dubai, and then from Dubai to Glasgow. And unfortunately, on that particular trip, I had too many hours to wait in Dubai, and I said, Lord, I'm tired. Why am I having to sit and wait for eight hours here before I get my connection? And if you've ever been in Dubai Airport, it's an absolute place heaving with people, thousands of people in Dubai. They have so many flights. It's the hub of the world now. And so I'm wondering, how can I pass my time? I'll try and get into the um, exquisite lounge, the VIP lounge. I'll try and arm my way in because they can provide showers and meals and to rest. And so I went to um, uh, the reception and I said, you know, I'd like to get in. And uh, do you have enough points? You got a gold or a silver? I said, no, just a blue. She said, no, you can't get in. So I had to go and find another lounge. It was packed. And I just was looking. And this fellow sat and he said, if you're looking for a seat, I said, I am. He said, there's one seat here. So I sat down. And within minutes, we got into conversation. He was coming from Portugal to go back to South Africa. I was coming from Africa to go back to Europe. He said, what were you doing in Africa? I said, uh, I was at a conference. You might have had Operation Mobilization as an organization. Huge conference in Kabwe, 1,000 people there. He says, oh, I've heard of OM. And an architect. And this South Africa. I know Francis Guzlo is the leader. He says, I know him personally. How is it that you can meet someone in the midst of thousands of people who know the very people that you know? He said, This is a God appointed moment. I need help spiritually. Can you help me? So the hours that I had passed very quickly because we were able to share. And so my experience in life has been that God orders people's circumstances, and you come across their path, and God either wants you to say something to them or 
for them to hear the message of God. And so, from the household of of, um, Philemon, perhaps initially, never thinking for a minute he would meet the Apostle Paul who led Philemon to the Lord. But in some way, Onesimus comes across Paul who's in prison. And of course, Paul being Paul, shared um, the gospel with him. If each of us had to ask ourselves, you know, um, why am I here this afternoon? What is God's arrangements for my life? What message should I be listening to? And um, I need to emphasize, nothing happens by chance. God orders our circumstances. He is sovereign. He makes the arrangements for our life. And even out of difficult circumstances, as I said before, we can um, be used by God. And as I look back over my life, life has not always been easy for us as a couple and for our family. Not only did I have the TB way back and all these years ago, but it's not so many years ago. Well, I had to go in and have a triple bypass. And sometimes when ill health hits you and the circumstances of life challenge you, you say, what is is God doing? What is God allowing in our circumstances? He wants us to learn lessons. And God is overall in charge. You may have come through difficult circumstances. Life may have been difficult in some ways. And you cannot just work out what is the reason, what is the purpose. God has a purpose in allowing things in our life that we would never have chosen. But at the end of the day, God works out. God's sovereign purposes. Paul's sensitivity. Sure. Testing, one, two, three. Fraser? I can just lift my voice a little. Um, Paul, when writing to Philemon, which has been left in record for us, writes a very polite letter to him. And uh, he asks a favor. He said, this friend, this runaway slave of yours, has arrived in my prison cell. And I've had the joy of leading him to Christ. And I'm going to ask a favor. I'm going to ask that you would take him back, despite what he's done, despite how you've been hurt, despite the negative circumstances that you may think has prevailed. And so, Paul values Philemon's character. He doesn't um, abuse his power or authority as the Apostle Paul. He says, you know, I could command you to take him back, but I don't want to do that. I want to appeal to your gracious spirit. And here is Paul with such sensitivity. He is a highly educated scholar. He wrote half the New Testament. He was educated in uh, one of the best universities um, in Jerusalem under the best teacher called Gamaliel. He was highly educated. But he has such a love and a care for a slave. 
who may well have been uneducated. And Paul has time for someone who is coming from a different set of circumstances than his own. And uh, across uh, our society today, there are all different kinds of people. And we as Christians and as the Christian church need to show a sensitivity to people who come within our precinct from a different background and from a different set of circumstances. There are people today who may well um, suffer with HIV AIDS. There are people who may have been subject to addictions in life that have left them. Um, one of the fellows that I'm working with up in, uh, in Hamilton, I met three of them the other night there. Uh, one freed from alcohol now, two still under the addiction of alcohol. And to meet with people who have found life extremely difficult through their addiction, we need to show them the heart of God. We need to represent God in that way. We need to have compassion, and we need to have sensitivity to people who are hurting. And you know, we just mentioned it this morning, when you go back history to the slave trade, and I, I'll never forget going in Zambia when I was there, to a particular um, location where the slaves of a bygone year were gathered together and chained together and marched from there to the sea to be transported by ship to America. And the, the stain on our conscious conscience for what we've done to Africans and treated them as slaves the African Christian, the African uh, America, American African, have never forgiven the West for what they did. And today, things are not much better because the slave trade is continuing. And there are people being brought from different parts of the world and to be sold into prostitution or into even uh, being used as slaves in a workforce. And that kind of, of practice should be condemned. And uh, when we think of the need for us to be sensitive to people in these circumstances and to care for people who are hurting. Beyond that, of course, as we interact with people, even in church, there's a need for sensitivity to people. You never know when someone steps in through the door what background or baggage they may be carrying. And deep inside, people can be hurting. And we need to have a sensitivity as church members to reach out to people and to demonstrate that we genuinely care for them and that we can relate and understand. Sometimes we are unaware as church members of how difficult and how challenging it is for people to come to church. Non-Christian people, people who are not in the habit of going to church, find it quite intimidating to come into church or to sit on their own. And How will they be welcomed? How will they be received? And, and so, uh, you're very blessed here in Townhead. You, you have an atmosphere and you have um, a, circum you know, a set of circumstances um, where people, as 
my wife has come, uh, perhaps for the first time for a long time, and she sensed immediately a welcome, a spirit of appreciation of people to draw alongside. That is so important. And the Apostle Paul had that sensitivity towards Philemon. He doesn't assume authority. He asks him for a favor. Would you be kind enough to take back Onesimus, not just as a slave, but as a brother? Onesimus, um, Paul says, when I think of him, I think of him as my own son. There is nothing more important in life than spiritual relationships. And within the church, we are in the one family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that spiritual relationship, may I say it, might I say it, is sometimes of more value than um, family relationships. Sometimes we treasure each other within the church more so than we would within our own family. Onesimus became a believer as a result of my ministry in prison, Paul says. How he ever got into contact with Paul and how he ever came to find him in a city like Rome. Rome is a huge city. One of the first glow teams that Kathy and I ever led in 1975 was to Rome. We'll never forget it. It was holy year in the Roman church. People were from all over the world converging in Rome to celebrate the Holy Year. We were there with a glow team, a hundred team members. We distributed 300,000 pieces of Christian literature during that month of July. It's a great city. Not so many years ago, Cathy and I went back for a visit. There's something special about Rome, and it has always been in its history. And so, um, the, uh, to go into um, St. Peter's Square and to see the Pope we were there in the midst of that wonderful occasion, one in 1975, when the Pope came down in his little Pope-mobile and drove through the crowds. And the people were chanting, Viva il Papa! Viva il Papa! It was electric. And we had the privilege and, and the honor of serving God in the beautiful city of Rome. Onesimus in Rome found Paul. Paul says, he may have run away for a little while, but I want you to take him back because he will be a brother forever. And whatever he stole from you, he must have taken some money to help him on his journey. Paul says, whatever it was, I'll repay it. <laughs> he took a chance, took a risk. He'll give Philemon a blank check. Whatever it was, I'll pay it back. As a full-time worker, he must have been well-supported. Onesimus, he could have said to Paul, you want me to go back to Colossae? Well, I'm not going back. It's 2,000 kilometers. It's a long distance since I've come. But because he had accepted the Lord, he had been transformed by the gospel. And he was ready to go back and to go anywhere for God. The thought of returning over that distance might have been awesome, but he was prepared under Paul's encouragement to go back. And so, when I think of the transformation that can take place through salvation, it's an amazing 
uh, story that each one of us have, how we came to know the Lord and how the Lord met us. And each person had to recite today their personal journey of how you found salvation, how you found Christ as your Savior, I am sure would be a fascinating afternoon to listen to. But each one of us, I want us just to be challenged by this. If we are transformed by the gospel, if we are followers of Christ, will we go wherever he sends us? Will we, like Onesimus, undertake a journey that seems enormous? But if that's what the Lord wants us to do, are we willing to do that? And Onesimus was prepared to go back to his master. And I'm sure when he made his way back, the first words on his lips were these, would you forgive me for running away? But by running away in a wonderful way, I met the man that you were saved under, the Apostle Paul. And through listening to him explain the gospel, I've become a Christian. I've found salvation, and I'm back to serve you. And I'm sure that Philemon, with open arms, welcomed him back. I wonder how God is working in each of our lives today. In the sovereignty of God, what is God doing in each of our lives? As we work things out day by day, can we see God's hand upon our life? Can we see God opening up ways that we never thought that we would be following in? Are we hearing a message that we never thought we would listen to? And so, uh, God, who is sovereign, is overall in control of our life. And may we take the lesson, each of us who know the Lord, to be sensitive to people, and to respect, and be polite, and to acknowledge the worth and value of other people. And Paul did that with Philemon. And Onesimus, he must have been so thrilled that it took that journey from Colossae to Rome for him to find Christ and to return to his master. May God help us to learn the lessons that's in this lovely little letter today and to acknowledge that each of us, in our own way, may look back when we were a runaway slave and we went to do our own thing, but God stepped into our circumstances and saved us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for our time spent today here at Townhead. Thank you for all the friends who were in attendance this morning and now this afternoon. Thank you for those, Father, who have given of their time and made the effort to be here to hear the Word of God. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it mirrors our own circumstances, and we can learn so many lessons how God can order the circumstances of our life and bring us to hear and bring us to understand what you want us to hear. So, may this little message be uh, designed for someone in a particular way that they may find salvation 
even today. We commend ourselves to you. Pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I have still a couple of um, recipe books that I wanted just to try and promote this morning. Remember, if you can, my brother and I are visiting CMCT on the 18th to the 25th. Um, I need to be back on the 25th because that's our wedding anniversary. So I'll take Kathy out for supper on the 25th if I'm still awake. And pray for that visit. And uh, those that have um, presents for the sponsored children, I'm happy to take them. And uh, if you're free on Friday to come up to Glow and hear George, that would be very encouraging. Thank you. Stuart, are we all over? You're in charge? Thank you, friend.